There is a library that exists at the Nexus where all other universes collide. Inevitably, things wind up there by mistake. Books, artifacts, people. This is the place where things from all universes end up when they get lost. This is the Eternity Archives. Previously on the Eternity Archives. We don't know what it was. It looked like a star fell from the sky and everyone's trying to find it. Like, why are people trying to find a stupid, stupid sky rock? Is there any chance you've seen our friend? He's a relatively distinct looking fella. The tiefling smiles at you with devilish fangs. She says, oh, of course I did. I was here. I don't know what happened. Just out of nowhere, he lunged at me. Rill is just like, this is a trick ass bitch. I'll just pick a room and try to pick the lock. And I'm going to leave the half-eaten banana. I think we're probably just going to have to pay his bail, but I suppose we need to talk to the constable first. So then he he looks at Zephyrine. He's like, well, you know, these things, there's procedure. There's paperwork. Rill just goes up and then puts down a gold coin and slides it over. (laughs) It kind of shoes Zephyrine out. We heard about your research about the meteorite. He says, and you came to the right place because I know what the other people here do not know. Back to the Eternity Archives, an actual play podcast. In this episode, we're continuing our session of 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons. In our last episode, we got up to some wild shenanigans, but the real action is yet to come. This will be another full episode of actual play. First, though, let's reintroduce you to your hosts and the characters we're playing. I'm Dorka, my pronouns are she, her. My character is Zenzora, aka Zen, but she's not really important today. I'm the anchor for this game, so instead of showing Zen in action, I'll mostly be taking on the role of everything Rill and Linda are up against, be it the environment or any enemies they've made along the way. I'm Ziva, my pronouns are she and her, and I am playing Linda, the human office lady who in the world of 5th edition Dungeons and Dragons is a halfling bard. Fun fact about Linda, she also has a list of future cat names on a post-it in the back of her journal, just in case. Who knows who they'll run into? Are any of those cat names... Real? No. Damn. Okay. <laughs> well, all right. Hi, I'm Kite. My pronouns are they, them. I play Real de Drakel, who is a feral teethling and in D&D is a Horizon Walker Ranger. Uh, They're still looking for that Chili's. They hope that that's what the anomaly ends up being. And if it isn't, they're, they're going to be pretty disappointed. <laughs> if it is, happy hour and Linda's paying. Oh, yeah. I mean, like I said, Real's a cheap date, you know, so... <laughs> So in our last episode, we arrived in the small town of Skullcrag, only to find it overflowing with decked-out adventurers. Some painstaking investigation and an impromptu banana stand performance revealed that everyone was searching for some treasure that fell from the sky and into the mountains a while back. That sounds like it could be the anomaly we're searching for, but it's hardly that simple. You're not the only ones looking for it, and a rival group has resorted to unsavory methods, including having your contract thrown in jail. Fortunately, getting Zephyrine out ended up being a fair bit easier than asking Rill to talk to townspeople, and it's about to pay off. He knows where the anomaly is, and he's about to tell you. So let's jump right back in. 
He says, you came to the right place because I know what the other people here do not know. Oh, and that is what? (laughs) He's a little rambly. Are you guys just like walking around with him? Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like walking with like a rambly old uncle. Ah, yes. Yeah, I think we would just kind of walk him to the, what is it, the Seeking Star, maybe? It seemed yes. pretty crowded. Yeah. So maybe we could probably get like a corner table or something and just like talk amongst ourselves and hopefully get lost uh, in all the background noise of everyone else talking. And so like the streets of the town by this point have cleared out quite a bit. It seems like everyone has gone off adventuring, searching for what they're searching for. So it's very easy to get to the, the tavern. There are still plenty of people in there, mostly merchants at this point, caravanners, people from out of town, but not like the adventurers. So it's quieter, but it's not empty, and it's easy enough for you to get a table. Okay, yeah. Uh, I would give Zephyrine his bag of stuff, and also be like, uh, yeah, that that woman that you got into a tiff with, uh, she definitely stole some stuff from your books, but don't worry, we, we retrieved it. Um, and I, I shoved it back in your book there. Uh. His eyes go wide. He raises his bushy eyebrows. He had not been aware of this theft, it seems. Yeah, it kind of seemed like she knew that you knew. I have an inkling that uh, she started that fight with you to get you in trouble so she could maybe sneak into your room and steal your shit. But, you know, I fucking spotted her a mile away. He says, well, that, that, that explains a lot. I've experienced this sort of thing. It's, it's my job. I have an instinct for it. Like, I can, I can hone in on the oddities, but the people. I can never predict the people. Uh, Rill has just played lots of uh, narrative video games, and so they, they can tell when someone has some shifty-ass dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> video games are exactly like real life. Yeah, exactly. And prepare you for the real world. Yeah. And they're just like, yes, I have had much experience analyzing social situations. <laughs> <laughs> you just like look, look off to the side like, yes, this sounds real. <laughs> so he starts flipping through the papers that you brought back and his own journal. And, and he takes the map with the, all the, the circles and the X's on it. And he slaps it down on the table. And he gestures for the two of you to sort of lean in as he lowers his voice. He turns around and sort of gestures in the southward direction where the mountains are out there past the the walls of the town. And he says, that's where it fell. That's where all the adventurers are looking, but they're looking in the wrong place. He gives you a wink and then turns north and says, but it's been moved. I pay attention. I feel it. And he taps on the map and one peak in particular. He says, it's there now. Something moved it, but it's there, I'm sure of it. Wait, okay, wait. So, what? what, How are you- you're tuned to it? Like, what do you mean you're tuned to it? I can feel it. He doesn't really seem to know how to explain it. He just keeps saying, I can feel it. It's my job. Okay. Uh, Rail just, like, looks over at Linda, like, what? (laughs) He says, I've been working with your organization for years. Okay. uh, You have no reason to doubt me. Do you doubt me? No, no, I don't. I just don't really. Look, I'm new. Uh, I think I'm still, like, you know, training 
I guess. I, I'm just trying to understand what all this stuff means. Ah, uh, new, new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, trainee. Um, and I, I guess, you know, I'm just trying to, to, to be, uh, you know, up and up starter, you know, a real go-getter and just like very lackluster, just like do that thing people do when they like raise their fist to like, I'm like doing it, but like you can't see because obviously it's an audio thing. Um, but anyway, uh, they would just be like, um, do you know what would be moving it or what reason people would have to move it? He throws up his hands like he has no idea and just repeats it's been moved but that's where it is this this man just sounds like dorka when she's drunk (laughs) (laughs) it's been moved i don't know i'm just connected to it but it's been moved so zen at this point will actually like interject and um tell you i think this guy used to be one of us that's what my journal is telling me. Huh. So what do you mean, why isn't he one no, of us? No, what happened? Or with us anymore. He decided to go home. Okay. Maybe this is what happens. Oh, that's kind of a bummer. Uh, alright. So I guess we should probably start going to this place that you marked. Do you know if there's any dangers? Any tips, tricks, travel device, sights to see kind of on our way there? So he will tell you that, like, this mountain isn't the tallest mountain in the mountain range, but it's not the shortest. It's close enough that if you leave now, you can definitely make it there by dark. To the small town of Skullcrag, the Stormhorn mountain range is pretty much all-encompassing. It stretches as far as the eye can see in every direction, and it's well known that monsters make their home in the range. And according to what the banana lady told you earlier, there are now even more than usual. There are even dragons nesting in some of the highest peaks, but this isn't one of the highest peaks, so you probably don't have to worry about that. The passes in the main road, however, are mostly safe, patrolled by knights from the surrounding regions, because this is an important trade route. Okay. I kind of don't want to stay in this town, because that, that woman's going to find the banana sooner than later, and it's kind of a small town, so I guess we should start hoofing it, and maybe, hopefully, we'll find a safe place to camp before night falls. Yes, I think I think we should leave, and I think we should try to get up into the mountains. We can handle ourselves, right? I think we can handle it. Uh, uh, I mean, I haven't had a great track record, but I'm sure you'll do good, Linda. We've got Zen watching out for us. We've got this. Okay. I mean, whatever you say. Zen interjects that mountain climbing's not that hard. You'll be fine. <laughs> I mean, I, well, uh, I mean, I'm more worried about the monsters, but yes, now that you mentioned it, I forgot that I do have to hike. <laughs> <laughs> Well, on the bright side, the weather is very lovely today. <laughs> it, if I have to go outside, it's, it's nah, I'm not a fan. Um, but they would look at Zephyrine and just be like, uh, are you going to be okay on your own? Do you need any help, you know, setting back up? Or... He says, I'll be, I'll be fine. Now that you're here, I'll move on. Okay. Uh, do you remember anything about the library? He says, yes, I was a, I was a librarian back in Neverwinter. Oh, no, like, you know, the library, like, the library, like, capital T. He kind of squints, like he's, like, there's something just at the edge of his memory, but 
He doesn't really seem sure of what you're talking about. He says, I just know that they send me a good amount of money to notify them when I have these feelings. Okay, sure. Sounds good. Okay, thank you for everything. Uh, stay safe. Don't talk to strangers. <laughs> Rill would just do a small wave and then awkwardly walk out the tavern. <laughs> and he, he waves back at you and then a waitress arrives with the huge pancake breakfast he's ordered. <laughs> and he oh, is a pancakes. <laughs> he is a happy old man. All right. Uh, Rill looks very longingly at the stack of pancakes like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess uh, we should probably head up into the mountains. Yeah. Okay. All right. So what are you guys going to do after you leave the Seeking Star? I might normally say, do we want a guide or something? But this town doesn't seem like terribly open to helping adventurers other than inns. So I think we probably should just set out on our own. We've got camping supplies. We've got some rope. I feel like that's probably all you need. I do have a question. Are rations, are they like Lunchables or are they like MREs? I think they're more like MREs, but I guess Zen would know the answer to that. Yes, they're more like MREs. Aww. If you eat them, prepare to poop. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't worry, there will be no pooping in this podcast. <laughs> well, that's my immersion is now ruined. I'm morally opposed <laughs> to poop. Oh, God. Morally? <laughs> um, yeah, what, what Ziva said. I think we would just head out. Yeah. I think Rill would want to try to avoid other people they would offer up the suggestion they'd be like um since we know where it is and other people don't it might be worth it to you know get off the beaten path and because you know we we don't know if maybe people are following us and they might try to i don't know sneak up and attack us when we're taking a break or something like that so it might be best to go about this covertly are you taking the map that zephyrine had drawn i think so yeah, yeah. okay so you do know, he did tell you that basically everyone else is searching in the wrong direction. They've all gone south, and where you want to go is north. Oh, okay. And there is a back exit through the town, basically. There's a road that goes straight through the town. Well, wonderful. Okay. That sounds like the way we should go then. Yeah, let's just go that way then. So you're heading out the north gate, and then you are on your way up into the mountains, so, as Zephyrine told you earlier, the like main roads are actually pretty safe. There are some knights patrolling every so often. The direction you're going does follow the main road for a little while, probably a couple of hours, before you should probably get off the path. But if you want to get off the path earlier, you can. The mountain's been pointed out to you, and it is tall enough that you'll be able to find your way there if you just walk towards it. Okay. I don't know. Do you think we should get off the main path, Rill? I sort of think we should get off the main path. Uh, yeah. I, that seems like a good idea to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a little paranoid, but I, I just don't want people following us. There's some suspicious people in that town. There certainly are. They aren't all, unfortunately, the nice banana stand woman. I, I miss her. She was very nice. So, going off the path will definitely slow your progress. Most of this mountain range is pretty wild. How much do you think it's going to slow our progress? Like, by half or just by, like, a little bit? Probably by half. Hmm. Because the other thing is, the road is basically the flattest part of the mountain range. And once you get off of the road, there's going to be some elevation, and that will slow you down as well. Hmm. Hmm. Well, Rill will probably die, <laughs> but it's okay. 
as long as they're not being followed. I do have proficiency in survival, so uh, I don't know. That might help a little bit. Like, I can probably keep us alive. Well, I don't think you can just, like, roll to not die. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) But survival may come up in some specific circumstances. I mean, technically, you can roll to not die. That's what what death saving throws are for. (laughs) I feel like Linda would be like, I was in Girl Scouts, and I've seen that show with the man who hangs out in the woods. And so I I think I've got this. I think that is probably about how much survival she has. Yeah, Rill has played like battle royale games, I guess. And so that's all their survival knowledge is from. And also reading like that zombie survival handbook. (laughs) That's it. That's all they know. Uh, And then actually putting it into practice. Yeah, they, they are not able to do that. How paranoid are you being? Keeping in mind that like the more careful you're being, the more actively you're trying to like hide your tracks the slower you're going to move and the longer this is going to take i don't think we're like hyper trying to cover our tracks we just don't want to be on the main road where people could be like oh yeah i totally saw that enormous cape yeah that sounds about right to me okay yeah i think that's a yeah that's about right okay so as you guys are walking through the mountains it is really a beautiful day today The weather is just like sunny, partly cloudy, 70 degrees. There's a pleasant breeze up here. And it's just overall like this is this is perfect hiking weather. And if you enjoy hiking, you'll have a great time. But (laughs) if you don't enjoy hiking, there are a lot of ups and downs and elevation. And it might not be a great time for someone who does not go outside. Rill thinks this is disgusting, and they hate it. <laughs> there are also bugs. Ugh, god damn it. So, I have a proposal. Rill, would it help you if I sang a camping song? A nice a nice Girl Scout camping song? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. Whatever you want to do, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really care. Then I want to use Bardic Inspiration. Okay, explain that to us. It's a bonus action, which doesn't count right now. But anyone who's within 60 feet, including creatures, that hears me gains an inspiration die of 1d6 that you can add to an ability check, attack roll, or saving throw. Technically, that's for 10 minutes. I leave that up to you if you want to do it that way, Dorka, or if you want to roll it over. Since we're not in combat, I'll just say you can hold on to that until you want to use it. Okay, what kind of song do you sing me, though? Um, yeah, what camping song are we singing? Oh, I don't know. Um, I just found out that apparently Girl Scout camping songs aren't, like, universal. So I'm trying to think if I know any ones that, like, other people know. Baby shark doo doo. Yes, it's, it's probably <laughs> that one. <laughs> Uh, I now actually have a whatever the inverse is. I roll a 1d6 and I subtract that from my total. <laughs> Real is demoralized by no. <laughs> Bardic inspiration. I'm sure I have to throw some kind of check for that, right? No. Bardic inspiration? No, you just use it. You just have a limited amount of charges. Yeah, per long rest. Okay, so I can use it yeah. twice per long rest. Well, it should be whatever your charisma modifier is, right? Uh, Yeah, that's four, but that's because I have proficiency. So my regular charisma modifier is two. Okay. Oh, okay. So we're good. Yeah, so you guys are moving along. You see a few, like, 
creatures, uh, like mountain cats, that sort of thing, but they're not used to people. They're skittish. They are not interested in bothering you. So they don't try to eat us? No, they don't try to eat you. Can I give them some chocolate chip cookies? Like, throw throw it at them? I don't think you can feed animals chocolate chip cookies. I mean, I'm sure you can. Rill's a ranger. They care about animals okay they're very they're deeply empathetic and you know like they think that animals deserve treats they like animals and only animals yes exactly so they would give them like you know just like a like a fourth of a chocolate chip cookie and just like yeet it at them yeah are you just like throwing cookies into the trees yes okay most of them are going to get intercepted by squirrels oh i mean that's fine squirrels are (laughs) neat too i guess can I roll to see if I get a cougar? Sure. Okay, what do I what do I roll for that? Survival or animal handling? Let's say animal handling. Okay. Uh, I got... Uh, do I want to roll my bardic inspiration for this? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got an 11 and my animal handling is plus 2, so a 13. So the cookie does land in front of one of these cougars that has been like hiding in the trees just kind of watching and just takes it in his mouth and scampers off okay that's my good deed for the day (laughs) i feel like linda would shout after it i hope you like it (laughs) so you continue to walk and you're starting to like actually get to the mountain that you're looking for but it means the terrain is getting a lot steeper And you do get to a point where it is just kind of like a rock face. Like there's a little bit of an angle to it, but not much. And it doesn't look like there's a short way around. Hmm. Since I have ram horns, do I have any kind of advantage on climbing steep surfaces? No. Fuck. (laughs) That's an aesthetic thing. Maybe if you had goat feet, I would give that to you. Oh no! I have, I have. Unless like, you're human climbing feet. with your horns. No, I mean I don't think that would work at all. I mm. no, you just crave that mineral. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> you unfortunately are not part goat. Damn it! All right, uh, I would look at Linda and I'd be like, I don't know how to rock climb. <laughs> so, is there any kind of like outcropping or anything like that? Like, if I look up, is there like a big old rock I could loop over? Oh yeah, there are plenty of those okay so i think then what linda's gonna want to do is try to throw a rope up like a lasso and lasso one of the rocks and then she and rail can kind of like do their best to climb up on the rope so it is like 30 feet up and throwing a rope 30 feet straight up is not gonna be an easy thing for you okay but you can certainly try to do it let me suggest something else can I tie a rope to a dagger and then throw the dagger up? Because my dagger range is 20 to 60 feet. So I can definitely throw a dagger that much. Yeah, you can give that a try. Okay, I am going to tie the rope to the dagger. We have hemp rope, so it's not like light, but it's just regular rope. Since it's a straight up throw, I think you'd need to do I think that would be a strength check. Okay. So. Yeah, it's probably athletics. Yeah, let's do athletics. Okay, so my athletics is plus one. So I rolled a 12 plus one is a 13. Okay, so you throw your dagger up and it gets all the way up there, but it like hits against the side of the rock and tumbles back down. Oh, dang it. So the dagger just straight starts falling towards us. (laughs) 
I think probably we'd like scream and like dance back and just let it hit into the dirt so that we don't we aren't under it. We don't get impaled. Okay, so real, do you have any sort of ranged weaponry? Do you have a bow still? Oh yeah, I, I do have a. bow. <laughs> we could have just done that. Yes. Uh, can I like use a bow to like shoot uh, or an arrow? Absolutely. Okay. Should I make an attack throw or like what should I do for that? Yeah, I'd, I'd say do an attack because you're kind of using it how it's meant to be used. So that's fair. For an attack roll, you roll a one d twenty. I got a fifteen plus my longbow modifier is plus eight. So Damn. Twenty three. And that's your dexterity plus your proficiency? Dexterity plus proficiency, plus I have a fighting style, which adds plus two to my archery. So any like longbow and stuff like that. All right. So what was that total number again? 23. All right. That works perfectly. Like you shoot it right up, the rope loops over the top and comes right back down the other side. Nice. Perfect. Well done. I hold out another fist bump for Linda. And I get it this time. So uh, yeah. so I give you a fist bump back. Zen is like, hey, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Thanks. I think we'd probably use acrobatics or athletics to get up there. I guess not, not really survival for like outdoor rock climbing. I'm going to say you can use athletics or acrobatics, whatever is your preference, whatever your, I guess, rock climbing style would be. Because you definitely can brute force that. Okay. I do have a quick thing I want to do, though. So I have an ability called Primeval Awareness. And as an action, I can expend one ranger spell slot to sense whether any aberration, celestials, dragons, elementals, fey fiends, or undead are present within one mile of you. Do you think I should try that and see if there's anything, like, dangerous? Yeah, absolutely. Make sure there's nothing waiting for us at the top. Technically, this feature doesn't reveal the creature's location or number, but I guess dragons? Can I use a spell slot to see if there's any dragons within a mile of us? Do you have to specify the thing you're searching for? Well, I actually don't know. I guess it doesn't say, so would it would it just count all of them? Yeah, I think it would just be all of those. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Rad. And can you list those things again? Yes, it is aberrations, celestials, dragons, elementals, fey, fiends, and undead. So you're going to do that? Yes. You don't sense anything within a mile. Oh, okay. Yeah, I just look at Linda. I'm like, eh, I guess it's fine. It's fine enough for me. So I guess up we go. Uh, I think I would let Linda go first since she is smaller. And if she falls, I can break her fall, I guess. <laughs> or I would say or catch me, but uh, earlier did I, yeah, not bode not well. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to use acrobatics since Linda's a halfling. I don't think she can like brute force her way up there but i think she can like be really clever and find lots of little footholds especially since she's small so then my acrobatics is a plus four so uh i rolled a 19 plus four with that rope you just kind of scramble on up there like it is steep but there is enough of an incline honestly you make it look real easy yay and you, you just scale those 30 feet and you are at the top in like a minute. Excellent. Well, then Linda's starting to think that maybe when uh, she gets back to the library, she should see if they have rock climbing gyms somewhere. Her sister <laughs> did those once. They're very trendy. Linda feels like maybe she can do it. Uh, Rill is emboldened by the display and will also do an acrobatics. Uh, and they got a 21. Damn. All right. I guess Rill is a little more capable and athletic than they think they are. 
But also, it's it helps that you're twice Linda's size. <laughs> After about a minute, you're you're thirty feet up and you're at the top. I'm like barely at the top. I'm like, <sighs> I'm just like pulling myself up onto the ledge. All right. So should we maybe retrieve our rope? Not leave it here. Yeah, that that's probably a good idea. We I was thinking we could use it as like an escape rope oh, but yeah. it's probably easier to go down than up so it i, th- I think it'll be fine I, i'd actually be more afraid if people could use the rope to follow us more easily so the rope is kind of on like an outcropping hanging over the edge a little bit so retrieving it isn't it's not nothing okay since linda is again small and light I think she is going to want to do maybe like an acrobatics and kind of like shimmy on out there and try and pick it up off the outcropping. Okay, go ahead. Please don't kill me if I roll badly. (laughs) I rolled a 10 plus 4, so a 14. All right, so you kind of shimmy on out there. You make it out to the rope and you manage to slip it off the outcropping and you're shimmying back, but the rope slips out of your hands no. and falls down to the bottom oh that's not great uh, that's okay i mean if they want to climb it they'd have to shoot it back up so i that's still it deters any trespassers i guess <laughs> oh i hope so you're in public <laughs> land Who who's to say who owns any land really <laughs> rail would like uh help Linda back up off the outcropping and then I guess they'd start going back forward? Yeah. What do we see from where we are? So you are in a sort of a lightly wooded area. You are on the right mountain, but it does stretch up above you. And at this point it's mostly uh, like it's a long set of inclines instead of just like going straight up. So it's not a difficult path it seems but it is kind of a long one okay is it starting to get dark yet or like what time is it it's about just past probably like two or three o'clock by now do we see any other animals yeah there are tons of squirrels and birds can i feed a bird a chocolate chip cookie yes nice what kind of bird is it it's a finch I don't know what that is, but I support it. Okay. (laughs) Alright, so you keep going, and eventually you get to a rockier section of the mountain, and you come to sort of a short uh, ravine, and you're at the bottom of it, and it looks like you have to go through this little cut in the rock about, like, probably, like, a quarter mile. Real just squints their eyes, and they're just like, I can tell. That this is foreshadowing of danger. That's meta gaming. <laughs> <laughs> How big is the cut in the rock? Um, it's wide enough for probably like three or four people to walk through oh. side by side. Okay, so it's not like the descent here. No. Okay. And again, like you're at the bottom, so you don't look. It doesn't look like you have to do like any climbing. Okay. Can I can I do a perception check? To, oh, sorry, I was just on. about to ask if I could do a perception check. Yeah, go ahead and do a perception check. Okay. Uh, I got a twelve. I got a seventeen. Okay, so you don't really see or hear anything around this area, even though this looks like it would be a great site for someone to lay an ambush. <laughs> really, this this is prime ambush material, but you don't see any ambushers so you think you're probably okay 
what you do see is there are a lot of like rocks just like falling in this ravine. It's like the the sides aren't super stable, so it's a good thing you don't have to climb because there's a lot of rock just breaking apart in there. Okay. Do you think it's safe? I, guess, I mean, I guess we don't see anything, right? So it should be fine. Like, where would they even, you know, hide? I, I don't see anything, but I'm a little worried about those rocks. The whole just, you know, crumbly nature of it. Uh, I, I guess we should just try to get through this this little path as quick as we can. We should probably just hoof it. I think that's a good call. Uh, can I roll a survival check? I'd like to figure out, like, where looks the most stable. Okay. So I rolled a 8 plus 1, a 9. <laughs> could I try doing survival as well? Sure. Uh, I got a 15. Hey! Okay. So it really does look like the ground, the floor of the ravine is normal. It's fine. It's not like it's going to give way beneath you. The danger is potential rock slides. So as long as you're paying attention, you can hear rock break off before it starts to like fall. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess we would just kind of go through it, like power walk through it. Yes. What's our marching order? Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? I think he should probably go first since I'm ranged. Okay, cool. You have a dagger and yeah. rapier, so... Well, are you guys going to fight the rocks? Well, just in case. Well, we just yeah, we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe that maybe that cougar will come back for more cookies. Yeah. So yeah, I then I go on first and we're just moving as quickly as we can. You get almost all the way through and then you hear that telltale sound of rock breaking. No. And you guys are listening for it, so you definitely hear it happening, but I do need you guys to both make a dexterity saving throw. Uh-oh. I got an 8. <laughs> I got a 16. Okay, so Linda is on top of it and dives out of the way and scrambles with her tiny little feet and is totally fine. Rill is a little slower on the uptake. I was looking for more cougars. <laughs> Rill is looking for cougars and has forgotten about the danger from the rock slides and is kind of looking around trying to figure out where the falling rock, which direction the falling rock is coming from. And Rill does notice at like the last moment and sort of like dives out of the way. You do get hit on the head with like a smaller rock. No. <laughs> How small is this rock? But you're not getting crushed under like a boulder or anything. So you are going to take three damage. Rip. Okay. <laughs> you got a little bit of a, a head wound. <laughs> That's okay. Traumatic brain injury is totally fine. It's safe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I take, wait, how much damage? Three? Three. Okay. Yeah, I didn't see any cougars, but I found a rock. Oh, uh, are, are you are you okay? Do you need a, a band-aid or something? No, I'm, I'm okay. I mean, unless you, you have, like, a cool, like, Hello Kitty oh, band-aid or something. Oh, no, like, just, be... just a healing kit. These are just boring oh. band-aids. No, I'm, I'm good then. Thank you, though. I like that they have Hello Kitty where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So it is around, probably around like four in the afternoon by now. The sun is still like up in the sky, but it's dipped down behind some of the mountains. So it's still like light outside, but it is just starting to get a little chillier, a little windier. And it looks like you've still got probably two or three miles to get to the peak of this mountain. And I'm guessing the terrain doesn't get easier. No. 
Rill, I think we should probably try and find a safe spot to camp. Uh, yeah, that, that seems like a good idea. I can take first watch just to make sure that no one tries to uh, spring one on us. I think that's a good idea. Let's see if we can find somewhere a little hidden to camp and uh, we'll set things up. So, yeah, I'd like to find, like, a defensible spot to camp, like, maybe against a cliff face or a river or something. Okay, I think you'd want to do a nature check for okay. that. Can I uh, offer help action? Sure. Cool. Yeah, so, yeah, well, with a help action, my character is doing something to assist you. So, in this case, Rill is also looking for an easily defensible position, and you can roll with advantage, which means you'd roll twice and take the highest number. All right, so the first time I rolled a 16, and the second time I rolled a 5. So then 16 plus my nature check is 2, so that'd be an 18. So the two of you basically stop moving forward and start like looking around for a place to camp. And you do find a cliff face. It's sort of an outcropping. So like when you're done resting and you're ready to keep going, like you don't have to climb it. You can just like go around up an incline. But it is a nice place to camp because you will basically have your back to the wall and it looks sturdy. It's not going to come crashing down on you in the middle of the night. Perfect. This seems great. Yes. Uh, in our rations, do we have Pop-Tarts? We have dried fruit and hardtack. I can squish them together. <laughs> I guess that's like a medieval fantasy Pop-Tart. Uh, I'm, I'm okay. I'll, yeah, it's okay. I'm not hungry. Next time we should bring Pop-Tarts, though. <laughs> Luckily, uh, we do have a couple bedrolls in the camping supplies, so we can actually, like, get comfy on the ground, and we probably have a little something, anyway, to pull together a little lean-to so we won't get rained on. Are you guys going to start a fire or anything? I think it's probably safe enough to start a fire. Linda has uh, has some cooking utensils, so she can maybe try and make some Pop-Tarts. <laughs> can you just bake Pop-Tarts? <laughs> Normal people can bake Pop-Tarts, yeah. I saw them do it on YouTube, so. Normal people. You know, I mean, like, I don't know if you can do it at, like, a campfire, but in theory. <laughs> was that was that Ziva or was that Linda? Linda's just like, I saw someone do it on the YouTube. Oh, no, that was that was Ziva. Um, but it could be Linda. <laughs> I feel like Linda would totally be into Bon Appetit YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think... Rill would help. Actually, Rill doesn't fucking know how to camp. Rill can't help with any of this. <laughs> I think Linda remembers just enough from Girl Scouts to be able to, like, build a useful fire that, like, is, you know, will stay put throughout the night. Like, it's hot at the beginning, and then it kind of ashes over. So you guys are, like, setting up camp. You're starting a fire. You're teaching Rill Camping 101. You know, it's a generally pleasant time. So I want you both to make a perception check. Oh boy. Seven plus three. Okay, I got a two plus, what, perception plus four, so six. I'm going to use that bardic inspiration I had. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay, what did I say two, six? I got a nine. (laughs) Okay. So Rail is pretty focused on learning how to camp and keeping the bugs away and trying to find a spot on the ground that isn't covered with rocks for their bedroll. Linda, you got a 10, right? Yes. You've been unsure about this for a while now, but when you hear a twig snap away back along the way you came, you're suddenly certain that you have been followed. Oh no. And not by any monster or beast. Fighting types adventurers aren't always good at staying quiet, and you can hear the telltale rattling of chainmail armor. It's the rattling of someone who's trying their best to be sneaky. Oh boy, can I see them? 
at all from where we are? No. Huh. There's trees all around Okay. You. It's They're probably like 40, 50 feet off. Hmm. I don't think we have enough time to like smack out the fire and disappear. We have a lot of stuff with us. I guess we could try and hide or we could try and fight or I guess intimidate before fight. Linda would go over and gently tap Rilla on the shoulder and put like a finger to her, her mouth like shh don't say anything and then kind of point out behind from where they came. I think they kind of get a wide-eyed look about him and kind of like look around and be like they wouldn't say anything, but they would try to mouth to Linda, like, what is it? I don't really think there's a good way to communicate, like, we need to hide, especially because we make a ton of, like, noise and smoke putting out the fire. So I think the best thing to do is for Linda to just really quietly draw her rapier. Okay. I think Rill might say something like, uh, I'm gonna see if I can find some more firewood. And then try to, like, disappear amongst the trees. Well, as you guys are, like being sneaky and like talking hush hush amongst yourselves whoever is following you i guess kind of realizes that they've been detected and they have decided to stop being sneaky so emerging from the trees is the group from earlier the tiefling and her friends no (laughs) the big human in chainmail kind of positions himself at the front sort of like guarding the tiefling She points an accusing finger out from behind the man and says, You know something we don't. There's no other reason you would have come this way. So just tell us where the treasure is and we won't have to get rough with you. I want to roll a deception check. Go ahead. Okay. Nine plus four is a 13. So I'm saying we are just camping because it's nice. And sometimes in order to be a creative, you have to take breaks to refuel your creativity. She said, I saw you with his bags. I know you know who he is. I found a banana in (laughs) my clothing. (laughs) Uh, Rill's just like, what what does that have to do with us? You sound completely, like, unhinged. What does a banana have to do with us? Yeah, I had a map, and I don't have a map now. Okay, well, it sounds like you misplaced the map with the banana, so maybe you accidentally ate the map. (laughs) So, surprisingly, this is not as diplomatic as you might think it is. (laughs) And she kind of throws up her hands and is like, I tried to be civil. Uh, No, you didn't. You literally ambushed us. You've been following us. How is that being civil? You are being creepy. She says, if it was an ambush, you would already be dead. Okay, sounds like someone who uh, is really bad at ambushes. That sounds like something they would say. (laughs) Bad at ambushing goes what? (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Nice one, Linda. And then she just, she gets this look on her face, like, incredibly frustrated and angry. And she says, I guess we're going to have to do this the hard way. It's time for everyone to roll initiative. Okay. Oh, God. Four. <laughs> Why do I- I just like this third two I've rolled in a row. Oh, no, sorry. I have to add my dexterity. Seven. I got a six. Sorry, I forgot how initiative works. Do you want to explain that while I roll for these people? Yes. So initiative, you start by rolling a d20, and you take the number on it. And then you have an initiative bonus that's based on a dexterity check. You mean your dexterity bonus? Yes. Despite, like, knowing that there was going to be fighting, they didn't roll much better than you guys did. It's four adventures. You've seen them earlier. There's the tiefling 
who is dressed nicely. She's carrying a long staff. Standing in front of her is the human in chainmail. He's a big guy. He is carrying a rapier. And with them, there's a half-elf wearing long robes adorned with a starburst symbol, and he has a mace. And then there's the second human. She is wearing leather armor, pretty similar to Rails, and has a bow of her own. And the first to go is the man in chainmail. He's charging at Linda because she's small and he's just kind of a dick. How far away are they from us? They're about 30 feet. He rolled a 22. Yikes. He got an 18 with a plus four attack bonus. So that's 22. And what is your armor class? 14. 14. Okay, so he does hit you. He does three damage to you. Okay. And you get to go next. Okay. Then I am, I guess I'll go ahead and try and get him. So I'm going to go ahead and use my uh, my rapier, but I can also do two weapon fighting. So I'm going to use my rapier. Um, and because I have two weapon fighting, but I don't have two weapon fighting style, confusingly, <laughs> I can do a second attack, but without any bonuses for the dagger. Okay. So do your rapier first. So I rolled a five um, and then my hit is plus five. So that's a 10. It uselessly clings against his armor and bounces off and has no effect on him. Okay. So then I'm going to also try and hit him with the dagger, which is a 10 plus my hit is a 5, so that's 15. Okay. Uh, You find a weak spot. You stab him in the knee. Oh boy. So go ahead and roll the damage for that. Okay, that's a 1d4 plus 3, and I don't get any ability modifiers. Oh, is the plus 3 my ability modifier? Yes, that is your dex modifier, since it's a finesse weapon. Yeah, okay, great. So then it's just 1d4. And I do 0 damage, or I guess 1. Yeah, 1 damage. Next is the half-elf in the robes. He tosses his hands up in the air and casts a spell, and sort of like a glowing aura materializes around the tiefling. Uh, we should we should try to go for that guy. He, he's he, I think he's their healer, maybe. Also, he looks soft. <laughs> I think that's a good plan. And that is his turn, and now it is Rill's turn. So I want to cast Thaumaturgy, um, which is a cantrip, and I can create a sound instantaneously from a point of my choosing. Okay. And I want to pick the roar of, like, a mountain lion from, like, behind the party. Okay. To try to, like, scare them. (laughs) And you don't need to roll for Thaumaturgy. It just happens, right? Yes, 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 yes. So besides the guy in Chainmail, the one who is actively engaged with Linda, the other three do all like spin around to try and see what is going on. Okay, awesome. And then uh, that was my action. And so my bonus action, I'm actually going to cast Zephyr Strike. Uh, It is a concentration spell. The description is, you move like the wind until the spell ends, your movement doesn't provoke opportunity attacks, and it is up to one minute, uh, and once before the spell ends, I can give myself advantage on one weapon attack roll on my turn. That attack deals an extra 1d8 force damage on a hit, and whether I hit or miss, my walking speed increases by 30 feet until the end of that turn. 
So I cast that. Uh, obviously, I can't attack yet because I already used my action to cast Thaumaturgy. And then I will back up like 10 feet just so that they can't like get within hitting range of me. Because you said they're like 30 feet away, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then I would end my turn. Okay. So next is the Tiefling. And she is looking for the Cougar. She doesn't see anything. She doesn't see the cougar out there. There is no cougar. And she realizes pretty quickly that she's been tricked. (laughs) Idiot. So she turns around and is back in the fight, but that was her turn. The same goes for the archer who is next. Same thing. She looks for the cougar, realizes there's no cougar, and turns around and is ready to go again. So now we are back up to the top of the order. It's the chainmail guy again. He's engaged with Linda, and he sees that Rill is, like, doing some sketch-ass magic stuff, and... (laughs) What? He's not having anything to do with it. He also got stabbed in the knee by this halfling, and he's gonna take care of that first. So he swings at Linda, and he does hit. Oh no. He does two damage. Man, Linda's having a rough go of it. And now it is Ziva's turn. All right. So, I am going to cast a cantrip that I have, which is Vicious Mockery, which is a 1d4 psychic damage. The other person needs to succeed on a wisdom saving throw of 12, or they take 1d4 psychic damage and have disadvantage on their next attack roll. So, since it's a cantrip, it just happens. Okay. And so a cantrip is like a level zero spell, and it doesn't have spell slots, and you're allowed to basically cast it an unlimited amount of times. So I point at the tiefling, and I say, you smell like bananas! And I, like, (laughs) strum my dulcimer like it's like a metal hammer. Like, I'm just like, just as loud as it can possibly go, and I feel awesome. Okay, so she has to beat a 12 with her wisdom. Yes. She got a 14, so she does beat that. And so none of the other effects affect her either? No, unfortunately not. Dang it. So then for my bonus action, I'm going to stab the guy with the dagger again. Okay. I rolled a uh, 8 plus 5, so a 13. Yeah, that does not hit him. Man, I cannot catch a break in combat. He sees you coming and moves his leg out of the way this time. Ugh. All right. Next is the uh, spellcaster. He points at Linda, and he casts Sacred Flame, which is a cantrip. So you have to make a dexterity saving throw. Okay. I rolled a 23. Okay, yeah, you're, you're fine. You take no damage, and his spell just completely misses. Like, a pillar of radiant flame descends from the sky and just is nowhere near you. You're totally fine. I feel like Linda does a little, like, shoulder brush off. <laughs> like, whatever. Damn, Linda, you're cool as shit. <laughs> so now it's Rill's turn. Okay, so I have a question, because my Zephyr Strike to cast it was a bonus action. Yes. Um, And it says, once before the spell ends, I can give myself advantage on one weapon attack on my turn. Does that mean that in and of itself is, like, a constant effect that is a free action? Yes. Because you've already cast the spell. Okay, fucking fantastic. Excellent. I am going to give myself advantage on one weapon attack roll on my turn with Zephyr Strike. And then I am also going to cast or use my bonus action, Planar Warrior, which is a Horizon Walker ability. 
and it goes like this. As a bonus action, choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you. The next time you hit that creature on this turn with a weapon attack, all damage dealt by the attack becomes force damage, and the creature takes an extra 1d8 force damage from the attack. So right now, I'm going to roll with advantage with my longbow. Alright, so the chainmail guy is the only one within 30 feet of you. Yeah, that's fine. I'm going to I'm gonna go for him. Yeah, he's harassing Linda. He yes. deserves it. <laughs> and I got a uh, 13 plus 8, so 21. Yeah, that is a hit. Okay, fantastic. So now, if I'm doing the math right, I get a 1d8 plus 4 on my longbow. I get a 1d8 from my planar warrior. And then I get an extra 1d8 from my Zephyr Strike. Damn. Damn. Does that math check out? Sounds uh, legit. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to roll 3d8s, and then I'll just add plus 4 from my uh, longbow. Watch me roll, like, all ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck yeah, let's go, boys. Uh, so 6 plus 8 is 14, plus 1 is 15, plus 4 is 19 damage to the uh, chainmail guy. Damn. Okay, so you take your bow, and you knock an arrow and let it loose and it just hits him so hard it throws him back it hits him that hard and he hits the ground and he does not get back up get away from linda she's she's my pal i guess i should ask are you shooting to kill I want to say, I think if I shoot at range, I can't pick between whether it's mortal damage or not. I think that might be a rule. Yeah, let's look that up really quick. I'm reading, sometimes an attacker wants to incapacitate a foe rather than deal a killing blow. When an attack reduces a creature to zero hit points with a melee attack, the attacker can knock the creature out. Yes, I don't see anything about... Yeah, ranged damage. So I think ranged damage... Uh, yes, I just killed a man. ...is lethal, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna say he hits the ground and he's not getting back up. And you can deal with the uh, the moral implications of that later. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll have nightmares about this for the rest of my life. But you know, right now I'm saving my, my homegirl, Linda. He was messing with Linda, so... Yeah, exactly. I'm trying to think of something like mean I could say to the tiefling woman. I say, uh, looks like he slipped on a banana... <laughs> I guess that's the end of my turn. So she is furious about this, and it's her turn. And she just, like, screams at you, and she casts Firebolt at Rill. It has a range of 120 feet. Good lord. Oh my god. That is a ranged spell attack. So that is... How do we roll that? Uh, so ranged spell attack is basically, like... Uh, she should have a spell attack modifier. So you roll the 1d20, you add the modifier. And that's that's the modifier for her spellcasting ability, yes. right? Yes, yes, okay. correct. Whew. What's your uh, armor class? 15. Okay, she misses. That flame goes wide. She's so uh, consumed by rage that her fire also goes nowhere near you. Wow, did you uh did you lose the map for your firebolt too? <laughs> <laughs> now it is the archer's turn. She's finished looking for the cougar and she draws her bow and takes aim at Rill also. She rolled a 21, so that does hit you. I guess. And that does 7 damage. And now it is Linda's turn. 
Okay, so the first thing that Linda does is um, she does little heart hands at Rill for saving her from the scary chainmail guy. Because he was really just plugging her last nerve. Rill tries to wink back, but they don't actually know how to <laughs> wink. So it just like kind of, it's like, it's like over-exaggerated. Because <laughs> they have to move their entire face. Creepy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, so then I think Linda is going to move towards the, um, the elf in the robes. Okay. And then I'm going to attack with my rapier, which is I have four plus five is a nine. You narrowly miss him. Okay. So then I am going to do uh, my two weapon fighting again and attack with the dagger. I did a 16 plus five is a 21. Oh yeah, that definitely hits. And then 1d4 is three. Okay. And do you get to add anything to that 1d4? No, because it's the two weapon. Okay, and now it is his turn. I'm gonna guess he's pissed. Yeah, so he actually uh, swings his mace at you. Oh, boy. And he does not hit you. You're you're too low. You're too low to the ground. (laughs) And now it's Rill's turn. Uh, Okay, so I'm going to aim for the half-elf with the mace. Uh, I told you guys not to swing at my girl, Linda. (laughs) I will also use uh, my planar warrior as a bonus action. And so that uh, is the one where next time I hit that creature with a weapon attack, all damage dealt by the attack becomes force damage and I get an extra 1d8. But I don't get advantage. That was the other thing. All right. Do you just get to do that unlimited times? Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, it's a bonus action. Um, I got a seven plus eight, 15. Okay, that hits him. Yeah, alright, so I get 2d8s, damage. Damn, I rolled like shit. Uh, I got an 8. That is really powerful. Actually, wait, because he's not within 30 feet of you. Oh, he's not. Okay, then can I say that I moved forward first before doing that? Yeah, you can have taken your movement. Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll move forward as like the minimum I needed. Yeah, so that would be about 10 feet. Okay, yeah, so I move forward 10 feet. Um, So yeah, I do 8 damage to him. Okay. He's looking pretty beat up. He's not looking too happy. And now it is the tiefling's turn. She rushes forward a little bit, sort of places herself in the middle of the battlefield, and she casts Thunder Wave as her action. So that is a wave of thunderous force sweeps out from her. Uh, Each creature in a 15-foot cube originating from her must make a constitution saving throw. Oh, constitution. I thought it was dex. Okay. So me and Linda or just me? You and Linda. Okay. Uh, I got a 13. I got a 14 plus 1, so 15. So Linda, you succeed. Rill does not. So you're going to take 2d8 thunder damage... So you take 10 damage and you're pushed 10 feet back. If I have a reaction, which is Hellish Rebuke, one reaction which I can take in response to being damaged by a creature within 60 feet of you that you can see. So she does 10 damage to me. Yeah. And 5 damage to Linda, because Linda succeeded on that throw and takes half damage and is not pushed. Okay, so I'm pushed back, but I do do my Hellish Rebuke. 
Okay. Uh, so I point my finger, and the creature that damaged you is momentarily uh, surrounded by hellish flames. The creature must make a dexterity saving throw, and then on a failed save, because this hellish rebuke is from my infernal legacy, so it automatically casts at a second level. So it would be a 3d10 fire damage on a failed save, or half as much damage on a successful one. Unfortunately, it is a dex saving throw, uh, so it's a very low save. It's, she needs to beat a 9. Okay, well, she got a 13. Well, she can eat my butt. But she still <laughs> takes half, right? Yes, 3d10. Yes, half of 3d10. So go ahead and roll those 3d10s for me. 8 plus 6 plus 3 is 17 divided by 2 is, what is that, 8? Because it's rounded down. Okay, so yeah, 8. Okay. So she takes 8 damage. Yeah, I tell her to eat my butt. (laughs) Her hair catches on fire and she pats it out with her hands and she looks like she's about to fall over. That was not a good hit for her. Yeah, uh, why don't you go back to the hotel and eat some more fucking maps, dummy? (laughs) The archer sees that and fires an arrow at Rill. A 13, does that hit? Uh, It does not. Okay, but she actually has an action surge, so she gets to take one additional action. Wait, what? She's an- is she an- oh, she's a fighter with- with a longbow Yeah, she's or a whatever. fighter. Yep, she's oh, a ranged fighter. fuck. So she takes an action surge, and she's gonna shoot again. It does a 14 hit. It does not. Wow, she sucks. <laughs> also, an action surge is a trait that fighters have, I guess, that they get at level 2, where they can right. bonus action and take a second action. Uh, sometimes it's super useful, and other times, like this dummy, it doesn't do shit. <laughs> and you can only do it once before resting. Yes. She misses twice, and now it's Ziva's turn. Okie doke. So I am going to hit the half-elf with my rapier again, hopefully with better luck this time. I rolled a 5 plus 5 is a 10. Okay, so that does connect. Oh, Wow. Okay, so then I get a 1d8 plus 3. What is he wearing? Like an old navy undershirt? (laughs) (laughs) Very fashionable potato sack. (laughs) So I do 7 damage to him. Alright, and he crumples. Okay. Wait, does Linda kill him? Uh, no. Okay. (laughs) No, Linda does not kill him. Okay, so you just knock him unconscious. Yes. You kick out his knees and he falls to the ground and hits his head. Linda feels slightly bad about it, but not that much because he's a jerk. (laughs) Okay. As my bonus action, I am going to do my bardic inspiration for Rill. So now Rill gets one ability check, attack roll, or saving throw, um, gets an additional 1d6. Nice. Okay, well now it is Rill's turn. Okay. Taking a health potion, is that a bonus action or an action? Use an object is, a, is an action. Okay. I will use one of these potions, which is a 2d4 plus 2. Uh, oh my god, I rolled like balls. Okay, 2, I got 6 HP pack. Cool. Well, okay, so here's my question. For the Zephyr Strike, it says... So it's it's a concentration, but I technically already used it. So does the spell end after I use it, or would it have to wait the entire one minute before it ended? So when you take damage, I think you should have rolled to see if you keep concentrating. Yes, it would have been a 1d20, and I need to beat a 10, right? Yeah. 
And then what it concentration is constitution? Yeah, constitution. It has to be 10 or half the damage you take, whichever one is higher. Yeah, so it would have been 10, because she's not doing like 20 damage to me, I hope. <laughs> so yeah, my concentration did break, so the, the spell's over for that. Okay, so I will use my last spell slot, and I will cast Zephyr Strike on myself as a bonus action. Okay. And then I will... She's all right, I'm already pushed back. Um, I'll move back at like another 5 feet or whatever, just so I'm like max range for it. Okay. And then I will end my turn. Okay, so it is the Tiefling's turn, and she is going to cast that Firebolt at you again. Okay, so she misses again, realizes that maybe today is not her day, and (laughs) then she turns around and bolts. She runs? She runs. (laughs) So now it is the, uh, the Archer's turn, and she kind of looks back at the Tiefling, who is booking it away. She looks at the half-elf who is unconscious on the ground and the other human who is probably dead. And she turns and runs away also. Oh, but Linda would get an opportunity attack. She's at range. No, because Linda had moved forward to attack the archer, didn't she? The wizard. No, she never attacked, she oh, never okay. attacked the archer. Okay, never but mind I then. do, I, my dagger's ranged. So you could throw the dagger on your turn? <laughs> yeah, I could. I guess it is my turn, because they just it turned It is your rain. turn. Okay, so I'm going to throw the dagger at the tiefling. Okay. Because the archer didn't actually hurt us. She's bad at what she does. The tiefling's a big jerk, though. So just to make sure they're within a range of 20 to 60 feet, correct? Yes. Okay. I rolled a 19 plus 5 is a 24. Oh, that hits. And I did 4 plus 3, 7 damage. Oh my god. That hits her right in the back, right between the shoulder blades. Oh. And she is down. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I meant to hurt her, but I didn't necessarily mean to kill her. She was already hurt. Uh, Remember that whole conversation we had about how you can't do non-lethal damage with I a know. ranged attack? <laughs> I know. Linda didn't, like, think it through. She was just like, and take that. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> she dropped like a rock. Linda's like, oh, no, I committed a crime. Yeah, Linda doesn't feel great about that. So now it's Rill's turn. Rill's trying to think if this would bite them in the ass later by letting them run away. They don't want to commit more murders, but they also don't want to get attacked in their sleep. So I guess, how many feet away is this archer? Um, from you, about 60. Okay, so I use my full movement to get within 30 feet of them. Then I will use my Zephyr Strike to enact advantage on my attack roll. And then I would use my bonus action, Planar Warrior. So, I get advantage on my attack roll. Oh, god, I don't think I hit. 6 plus 8 is 14. That's a hit. Hell yeah! Alright, and then I'm about to commit more murder. (laughs) (laughs) 6, 11, 15. Okay, she is still up. Okay. But that hurt her. Rill just kind of looks at Linda and shrugs and is like... Uh, if you come back here, I we will finish the job. So it's her turn now, and she actually, like, turns around because she's seen the tiefling fall. She throws up her hands and says, What is wrong with you people? <laughs> what, 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 what do you mean was wrong with us? We, we were just setting up camp. And we then you're weren't f- going to kill you. You were going to attack us. 
Uh, didn't you hear our discussion? You can't do non-lethal range damage and your tiefling <laughs> friend's a wizard or some shit or a sorcerer or whatever. And she's like down next to the tiefling, like checking for a pulse, like kind of panicking, like, oh my god, what just, what happened? I didn't sign up for this. Yeah, well, you know... Maybe you should have thought about it when your friend was like, Oh, those people left a banana in my clothes. They stole a map that we stole. <laughs> and then you fucking stalked us. How many miles? Like, what were you planning to do? What was your plan? So, she is no longer in combat. Are are either of you still in combat? No. no. <laughs> okay. And she's just, like, out of her mind about this. And she's like, can I just check on my friends and go? Yeah. I mean, like, I think your cleric friend or whatever is still alive. I'm really sorry about the night guy, but that was an accident. Yeah, Linda shuffles over and sheepishly is like, I, I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't mean to. All the deaths here were accidental. So, like, you know, we're not going to kill you or anything. Like, you, you know. threw a dagger into my friend's back. Yeah, your fucking friend tried to light me on fire. <laughs> So she does, like, she checks on the, the other one, the guy in chainmail, and, well, seems like she didn't like him very much anyway. She she doesn't seem too torn up about him. And then she checks on the, the half-elf and manages to wake him up, and he's just like, what what's going on? And she's like, don't, don't, let's just, we gotta go. And so she kind of helps him up, and they shuffle away. Wait, do you guys want some chocolate chip cookies? I feel, like, really bad about murdering your friends. Don't even talk to me. <laughs> well, don't don't fucking stalk people and attack them in the middle of the night. <laughs> I have a right to defend ourselves against lethal force. Linda perks up a little bit. That means accidentally I might kill someone on accident. <laughs> yeah, don't attack people. All right, and so she and uh, the half-elf go off into the trees and they're done with you. Maybe you should think about your life decisions before you do things like this. Go to college. <laughs> Fuck. I can't believe you're just like taunting at these retreating people. <laughs> no, I think Rill is also like a little manic and just like <laughs> hiding it by being uh, abrasive as fuck. <laughs> Okay, so the archer and her half-elf friend make their way back into the forest, and the two of you are alone again. Next time on the Eternity Archives. We just committed murder. I don't know how cool that is. You're pretty close to the peak of the mountain. Rill sees that there's another climb in front of them, and then they just uh, very dramatically just like fall over. A Girl Scout song is basically any song you sing while you're outdoors, so. When you look around, you can see it. You can feel it, really. Feel something off. It does not belong here and is unmistakably the anomaly. Oh my god, this was, this had all the boss battle flags and I just fucking missed it. It always works in movies, so. I feel like this should work. Play me some bomb-ass background music. Okay, is this a bardic inspiration? Yes, please. 
Hi, my name is Mackenzie. And my name is Rachel. And together we're Dungeon, Dungeon Wives! The game where two sapphics in love play a little bit of D&D. We tell a story of a young tiefling named Alkyne who goes on a journey to find a destiny greater than herself. And possibly a wife. And possibly a wife. You can find us at DungeonWives.com and also at Dungeon Wives on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks! Bye! Bye! The Eternity Archives is hosted, produced, and edited by Dorka Kite and Ziva. Find us on Twitter at, at @thearchivespod or online at theeternityarchives.com. Our intro music is Paint the Sky by Hans Adam, and sound effects are obtained from zapsplat.com. Check out our show notes for more info and some helpful Dungeons and Dragons resources. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe to The Eternity Archives on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. Consider supporting us by telling your friends about us, or leave us a tip at our Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash theeternityarchives. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network.